Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 227, covering Covenant and It's Only a Paper Moon. Hello, friends. Hey, folks. We're back to do this thing. This thing we do called the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast, featuring Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. We, we, just, we just played that. I know. Also, he doesn't say that. He says, Matt Robotham. It's true. I may have been listening to older episodes recently. Ah, fair, fair enough. Um, this week we have two episodes that uh, I was completely wrong once again. Like th- this is a recent revelation for me. Mm-hmm. Going back and listening to some older episodes, my own self, and also kind of looking ahead, I realized that uh, a lot of times I think this week's going to be great, and then I tell the people this week's going to be great, and then it's not, or the other way around, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just like I. I I always think I'm going to think one thing and then I think something else. Yeah. So. <laughs> going forward, we should try not to think about anything. No, I just should react in the moment and stop saying next week will be great because maybe it won't. Yeah. This week was seriously both episodes. I thought I would love the first one. I didn't really care for it. I thought I would hate the second one and I quite liked it. So oh, man. I, I don't know what the hell I'm talking <laughs> not about. Not only did you think you would hate the second one. We all did. Like everyone, everyone we talked to thought we would hate the second one. Yeah. Oh God, it's that one. We. I don't know about everybody else, but you and I both quite liked it. Oh yeah. So, there you go. I'm sure everyone else would be like, "No, nah, it was a terrible episode." Now, past we, tense. Oh. Uh, Matt, can't we get beyond Thunderdome? Oh God. I mean, eventually we did. We got to Fury Road. That All was right. my big revelation about the new Max, Mad Max movie. I'm like, oh, we finally got beyond Thunderdome. Yeah, that's uh, Mike Nelson made that same joke. Because Did he really? That, he figures. Yeah. That joke was apparently in the Mystery Science Theater writer's room for, like, decades. Can't we get beyond Thunderdome? Just uh. constantly. Anyway, mm-hmm. apropos of nothing, why apropos don't you tell us about the episode called Covenant, or as, as the primary character in it would probably say, Covenant. Yes, the Covenant. Covenant. This Covenant, this Covenant is broken. Bejor. Bejor and the Bejorans who live upon it. Right. Wait, Bejor and her? Her? Okay, tell us about it, won't you? All right. Kira receives a visit from what has to be the last surviving person who knew her from her days in the concentration camp, Vedic... Well, it appears that he's going to send her on another fucking orb vision uh, vision quest to Terok Nor. He's actually sending her to Empok Nor, where she's quickly reintroduced to Brother Dukat and his Pa Wraith cult. Seems our pal Dukat's been a little busy since last we saw him. He's fully accepted the love of the Pa Wraiths, and in return they've awarded him with, well, a very decent runner-up space station to rule and a bunch of Bajorans to run around with doing his bidding. It's like the SimCity version of the occupation, with plenty of new Bajoran women to turn to the faith. And by the faith, I mean Ducat's ridged lizard cock. <laughs> Said lizard cock in question has apparently gotten Ducat in trouble again, as it turns out that the first new birth in Ducat's cargo bay cult is half Cardassian. Whoops. Well, 
with their faith in the paw wraiths shaken but not broken, it's time to break out the Kool-Aid and Heaven's Gate this place. Look, it was that or build Empok Nora fucking amusement center to take the newest Ducat bastard to. <laughs> Unfortunately, during the big suicide moment, Kira karate chops Ducat, forcing him to drop that one non-poison pill, and he has to bail on his whole mass murder plan. And because it's Ducati, make sure everyone knows that it wasn't his fault before he leaves. Ugh, this guy. <laughs> but we love this guy. We do love this guy. We love this guy to death. And I think I think your opinion has changed. Like, you weren't crazy. This is another one of those, like, we thought one thing and watching it, we feel a different way. Yeah. You weren't super crazy about him going to religion toward the end of the series, were you? No, but it's really he's really sort of taken it as his, as his own thing, you know? Well, I think it makes sense when you watch him in order and you see the context of it and you yep. see him gradually slide into it. It's not an out. I, I think you might have assumed it was kind of an out of nowhere thing. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. No. It's just this slowly developing thing. It's like, oh, the prophets actually exist. And then there's these guys. And then, you know, he actually is touched by a paw wraith in uh, the season finale when he kills Dax. Right. And now he's like a fully converted paw wraithiest. <laughs> Which, but it also it also goes back to what he's always wanted. Well, that's the thing. He's he's found that religion now. He thought before that military might was the way to go about getting the three things he wanted. You Which know, are? a space station, the love of the Bajoran people, and the specific love of Kira. Mm -hmm. But you know, he can go about it religiously, yes, and get an almost as good space station that just sort of tipped over. <laughs> In space, which makes total sense. A bunch of Bajoran people who genuinely seem to like him somehow. Yeah, rather than being slaves that are, that, you know, have to. And I mean, now all all I have to do now is somehow convince Kira that I'm not so bad. And I mean, how hard can that be? I've been wearing away at her for like 18 years now. <laughs> yeah. I will get inside that jumpsuit, Major. There is a scene where she's knocked unconscious because she tries to escape and they knock her unconscious and she wakes up like in her undershirt. Mm. And he's, what? No, no, no. I just took it off so you, you could breathe. I was tending to your bruise. It actually reminds me a lot of uh, Duet when he's got, uh, or no, Walt, sorry, when he's got uh, Cisco on the uh, on the planet. Yeah. But I did so much good for you. Look, mm -hmm. I fluffed Look what that. I've done. Look, I fluffed that pillow and got you dinner. I'm not such a bad sort, am I? Oh, I mean, yeah, there was the murder, but uh, you know, and that's the ah, thing. Is like, put put aside the actual occupation, which he continuously says would have been worse without him. Mm -hmm. Which I don't believe, but fine. Yeah. Um, he did very recently murder Jedzia Dax. I don't understand why you're so upset. Didn't you get a spare? And close the wormhole, sealing off the gods, ah. the, the prophets, from, you know, Bajor. That's not... Look, if you come to the side of the Pa Wraith, you'll see that's not really that important anyway, Major. Also, they just, like, they he just lost. Mm -hmm. Like, like uh, when Sisko found the orb of the emissary, he threw out that Pa Wraith out of the, the wormhole and it opened back up again. Which means they very recently proved that they were not worthy or however you want to put that mm -hmm. so like just nothing nothing really adds up here Ducat look uh, look I'm working on it okay it's a long term plan but I really think that you're going to see that it's all fine now I'm going to take off my pants and <laughs> I do like that his pitch to Kira is 
the power wraiths told me that you need to be by my side <laughs> yeah yeah they told you i'm sure they like these these extra dimensional you know beings who really don't address any specific individual except cisco uh-huh. said Yes, obviously, you need this one Bajoran woman by your side. Oh, you just happen to have been trying to sleep with her your entire life? Well, what a weird coincidence. That works out really well for you. Man, religion is great. Yep. So your good thing is effectively what you just said, right? Yeah, basically, I like Dukat in this one. I mean, I always like Dukat, but I like... This is sort of our final version of Dukat heading towards the the end of the series. Yeah. You know, new, seized by religious fervor, Dukat... No, and and again, looking back, and I felt a bit this way too. I thought this religious stuff came from out of nowhere, but mm. it was a gradual slide. Yeah. And it makes sense. And now being a cult leader is not much different than being a deposed military leader with a small ragtag band of guys following him. No, I actually, I really like the idea of, you know, the guy who has lost everything. Yep. And has turned finally to, you know the evil religion of the people he's been trying to conquer. Right. Uh, you know, as a way to get, you know, his three things. And, okay, but this takes me to my bad thing, mm. which is actually Dukat. I mean, the character is great. His his motives make total sense. Yep. His, his, the, the actor, as always, fantastic. But this particular episode had a real opportunity to show him at his slipperiest. That mm. is, like, laying on the charm, first of all. We should see why these guys are won over because you hear about these cults you hear about i mean even like like hitler mm-hmm. was supposed to be either charis- i don't think with him it wasn't charismatic it was like literally hypnotic apparently there's uh-huh. something about the way he spoke that got people to listen to him but but with a lot of these cults you get guys who are just so incredibly just charismatic that everyone's like oh well of course he's well, got that, my best that, interest that's you the know. thing and ducat is totally that type of like that uh, person but i don't feel like we got that in this episode no that's I the feel problem like he should have been laying on the charm and he should have been spinning an elaborate web of lies that's impossible for anybody but Tira, kira to untangle and yeah and instead he just sort of fumbles his way through clearly making up the worst top of his head lies imaginable i like, th- this can't be the first time he's had to hastily explain an illegitimate child <laughs> It's uh, not even the first time he's had to do it this year. Like, yeah. oh, that, oh no, uh, God did that. What? It's a miracle. Come uh-huh. on, you could do better than that. Just the like the, the look on his face when he sees the Cardassian baby for the first time. Ah, my friends. Yeah, I, I just it's. I don't know if it's him playing it too broad. It's partially that, but it's definitely in the script. Mm-hmm. And and I, this can't be the first time he's had a group of people like. He's got to keep them on his side when he's caught doing something wrong. Yeah, I mean, like, but, that, that's that got to be dating back to him on the on uh, Terok Nor, for God's yeah. sakes. I mean, there he was mostly in charge, but surely his superiors at some point. Oh, I'm sure the occasional, like, thing needed to be hushed up or covered or something. Yeah, and we've always gotten the opinion, or we've always gotten the impression that he... Like like all good Cardassians, like all Cardassians we've we've spent a lot of time with, particularly Garrick, but not just him, uh and Auburn Tane mm-hmm. and just a lot of the, the Cardassian like officials we've seen over time, they're all very slippery, duplicitous, like you never know what's gonna happen next yeah. because they always got plan after plan. And he just feels like a farce character in this. He always feels like like 
whoa, I, I really messed that up. Let me make up a lie that no one would ever believe. And the writers have to make these Bajorans so stupid to make that work. That's the thing. The Bajoran, like the Bajoran cult in this is just so dumb. But that feels lazy to me. It feels like what yeah. they should have done is written these guys as being sort of lost and easily led, but not mm. stupid. Yeah. Just, just kind of like, you know, after the occupation, my life got ruined for whatever reason. I'm looking for direction. Oh, this guy will give me direction. Like that's that's often cults speak to people who just yeah. don't have something in their lives that well, they need. The occupation and, ending is like a perfect opportunity for you to have people who have just like, well, why did the prophets abandon us? Like, yeah, and that's one of his big points. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is a bit of that logic that I wish we had more of. Mm -hmm. Well, if the prophets were so good, why did they let me genocide you? <laughs> Wait, what? It wasn't my fault. But that's that's that beautiful Catch-22 bullshit that I, I love about the Cardassians, and I wish there'd been more of that. Yeah. But he seriously, he gets backed into a corner, and it's not even a big corner. It's no. not even like, oh my God. It's just, he got caught, like, first, he got caught, like, being obviously the illegitimate father of, of this baby. But then mm -hmm. he tries to, to suck the only person who knows, the, the mother, out an airlock. Yeah. And she doesn't die like uh, Kira catches it in time. And so his yeah. reaction now, then... Now, first of all... His reaction then is to kill everyone. Like, seriously? Yeah, that that really feels like like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> the baby the in bath question water being, being the other... half Cardassian. Yeah, and the, uh, the, the bathwater being the other 50 people, right. Yes, but exactly. I like, expect so much more out of even the average Cardassian, but especially yeah. this Cardassian. Like, Ducat... You've got a really good cult going on here right now. Yeah. Don't just throw it away because of one because of one illegitimate child. No, you need to spin a web of lies that keeps them guessing and really like I said I just wasn't convinced. It was always like I'm caught. Uh well, uh Look over there. Yeah. That's essentially what it was and it's like come on, man. And that's it really it kind of killed the episode for me because I know what these writers are capable of. I know what this character's capable of. Yeah. It feels like a lot of wasted potential because I like the setup a mm -hmm. lot. I like him being in this situation, and I like, I love the irony of Bajorans following their savior, Gul Dukat. Yep. That's fantastic. I just don't feel like they lived up to that potential. No, and, like, that's a great direction to take the end of the series. It, like, as we're heading towards the end of the series, the idea of Gul Dukat with a growing army of Bajoran religious fanatics... Yeah, I mean, the the series will do some great stuff as far as turning some things on its ear. Yeah. Like, there will be a lot of things happen that you don't expect. Uh, we're not finished seeing Dukat. We won't tell you, for those of you worried about spoilers, we won't tell you what happens. Yeah. But he, of course, beams away again. Mm -hmm. So he'll probably pop up again. You, you already knew that, and mm -hmm. I'm confirming, yes, we're going to see him again. Gold Dukat um, will return and live and let die. Yes. Also, we've been saying that the last run of episodes is is seven episodes, but I recently saw on Memory Alpha it's actually ten. Yeah, I was uh, I was skipping ahead to see sort of what we um, what we got uh, ahead of us on Netflix, and yeah. Netflix has literally broken down the last uh, ten episodes into part one, part two, part three, all the way up yeah. to part part ten. Yeah. So starting in episode, I believe sixteen, mm -hmm. uh, going to the final episode, episode twenty five, which yeah. is a two parter. Yep. Like, that is all the finale. Yeah. It's all one continuous, like, serialized thing that takes us into, like, it's like the third act of everything. So mm -hmm. so we really only have a few more episodes before all that starts. We no. really have 
like three more pairs of episodes and then we get that. So. Yep. So, yeah. Um, and looking at them, some of them are just like, oh. Well, we got another Mirror Universe episode. That was specifically the one where I was like, oh. Yeah. I don't recognize any of the other ones because, of course, I don't. No, I think we get another uh, Esri-focused episode coming up soon. Mm, I, I remember what her arc is through the finale, and you may be thinking of that. Possibly. But I'm not sure. I We'll find out. Like I, she has some some stuff, some character stuff in, yeah. in, in in that last round of episodes. But everybody does, so you know. Uh, what was your bad thing? Uh I fucking hate Ducat's paw wraith earring. <laughs> okay. Um. So like we we first when we first start seeing the paw wraith cult guys, they've got an evil red earring. Uh huh. In, in the other ear, because of course you know, it's on the other side. Because evil. Yep. And actually, the second I saw this, like, oh, it's in the other ear. Of course it fucking is. Uh-huh. Ducat's looks like a fucking uh, Star Wars restraining bolt that's been shoved into the side of his head. <laughs> the restraining bolt is causing me to short circuit. <laughs> Perhaps you should take it off. Mm-hmm. Hey, bring her back. <laughs> the her in this case, I assume, being Kira. Of course. Uh, he, also, he doesn't call her major anymore. First of all, she's not a major. No. But- he doesn't call her Colonel now. She now he just uses the very familiar and extra creepy Narice. Yes, like they're friends. Like we're good. Well, we're good friends, Narice. What? I mean, no. the amount, the times we've shared, talking and having a laugh together. Who could forget? And if you, I may be so bold, feel free to call me Gull. No, he's got a name. He does have a name. I uh, think it's Paul. No, I don't remember. I think a listener wrote in. And told us it was Paul, and we just ran with that. Ron Moore has repeatedly said when anyone asks him that his first name is Elmo. Yeah, that's fine. Elmo Ducat. Yep. Sure. It's got a ring to it. Yeah. Why not? Does that mean all uh, Cardassian names start with E? Because I was just thinking Elam Garrick, Nabrantane. Yep. Elmo. (laughs) Elmo Ducat. Yep. That fits the pattern. Yep. You know, like like uh, Vulcan males usually start with an S. You yep. get Spock and Sarek and Solok and so forth. Sock. Sock, yes. <laughs> the sock. search for sock. <laughs> yeah, I've had that happen numerous times while doing the laundry. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, come on. No, I didn't mean <laughs> well, Let's not say things we can't take back here. I, you're right. I'm terribly sorry. Although we do have Banya in the next episode. That is true. No, he was oh, in no, this no. episode. It was it was this episode. You're right. One yeah, he, the, he uh, was the uh, he was the dad, the father uh-huh. of the uh, Cardassian child, Miracle yep. Baby. <laughs> I like when the crowd turns on him. He's holding the baby in one hand, and I don't know his poison capsule or something in the other. Yep. And he rears back to throw it, and for a brief minute, my brain really believed he threw the baby at <laughs> Galdakan. <laughs> there, this is yours. You take it. Ugh. I love that his first, that his reaction is, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> this, this is his baby. You're, wow. How did I not see that before? <laughs> I uh, just want to see the rest of the cult is just turning him going, yeah. We we are all now thinking that for the first time also. <laughs> uh, my good thing is that painting. Mm-hmm. Which he, uh, 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 Banya. Yep. I don't remember what his actual name was. It's so close to Banya that it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Uh, he's working on this very clearly sort of like 
like uh, I would say circa 20th century sort of Norman Rockwell-ish like Jesus painting. Let's like, not compare it to Norman Rockwell. No, no, no. I'm just saying in that art. style, like in yeah. that sort of folksy. If you've like, ever if you've ever seen that 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 painting of Jesus holding hands with all the races of the earth. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like it's it's. It's a Jesus painting, but not like the classy Renaissance Jesus paintings. No. It's sort of a kitschy 20th century Jesus painting. Like you'd see it hanging in your Sunday school. Right. Or at a at a, at a hotel. Yeah. Like if you're staying at a hotel that's not afraid to put up religious stuff or mm. whatever. Like that kind of thing. Um, but it's got Ducat in the center holding hands, you know, like in the Jesus role. Yep. Looking all benign. And he hasn't finished the thing yet, unfortunately. No. But, but it's clear he's got, you know, just like his whole flock around him and it's fantastic that is definitely a painting i would love to own in my house and unfortunately in the episode it's never like we always see it in work yeah so i don't know that like as a prop i don't know if they made a finished version but i'd like to think they did me too i was upset usually if there's like a painting on the show uh there'll be a decent shot of it on um on memory alpha well that's what i'm saying like typically like because it would be finished yeah they would get a shot like of the prop. Mm-hmm. Like there's but a I, great uh, there's a great picture of uh, Morn's Matador painting. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but unfortunately, yeah, I don't think this one exists in a completed form. Which even if we had the incompleted one, we could probably like throw something together. Yeah, I'm sure we could get. Uh, we we know a lot of talented people. I'm sure we could find someone who could finish that up for us. Yeah, that um, looks so good next to the banner when we were at a when we were doing a a con. <laughs> Oh no, there wouldn't be the banner, it would just be that. <laughs> this is the Gil Ducat, like, I feel like that would work better if we went to just a Star Trek con. Like, at a Comic Con, it's kind of like, we have to stay broad and just, no, we do Star Trek. But at a Trek con, they'll know exactly what that is. I I got this weird, like, that uh, the combination of that and us just talking about Seinfeld, and now all I really want is a Gil Ducat painting in the style of the Kramer. <laughs> I'd yeah. pay good money for that. Would you? Well, not good money. Yeah. Right, laundered, l- laundered money, perhaps. Yes. Uh, let's see what From else. From my oh, many at crimes. The, at the beginning of the episode, we have Odo wanting to be religious so he can spend more time with his schmoopy. Yeah, so it turns out Odo's that boyfriend, which... And- uh, one, our, our regular guest Flonk has on the as well on the record, and I'm sure when he shows up for this his episode this mm. season, he'll he'll remind us of this. He doesn't like what he calls Schmoopy Odo. No, it, it doesn't bother me. That no, I, I actually I like me, uh, yeah, I like but, Odo and Kira together. But he is a little too clingy, I would say. He is definitely the guy who has never had a girlfriend before in his life. No, and he knows when their 11 day anniversary is, and so on. Yep, is hopelessly like head over heels and has been pining for her since he met her. So yep. Like, which is like 10 years or something. The idea that he's just like, well, I wish that I was religious so I could come with to church with you. And then, uh, uh, Esri and Julian are sitting at the table and they're, well, you could be a different religion. Yes. But then I couldn't go to church with Kira. It's nothing to do with religion. It's everything to do with being with my girlfriend. It's like, so I think what I'm seeing is that you worship her. Yeah. That sounds about right. That that is pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Can you can you just put my bucket in your lap when I'm when I'm regenerating? No. We'll we'll shine a we'll shine a spotlight on you and you'll look all beautific. <laughs> I, I I picture him just like staring at her while she sleeps. Mm-hmm. Just he's that guy. Which, as someone who doesn't sleep, he could probably do. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 
How long have you been up? Oh, you know, eight or nine hours. <laughs> Not long. So let's see, what else? Uh, I mean, that's that's really it. We hardly spend any time on DS9 at all. No. We get, like, a, we get a quick shot of the station so we can see that they are, in fact, looking for her. Yeah, which is good. Like, I like that they address that. Like, wouldn't they notice she was gone? They do, and they're looking into it. Mm -hmm. But then we never cut back. Yep. Which is really strange. Um. Oh, the, um... What do you call it? Kira's Vedic guy, whose name I refuse to care Vedic about. schlub. <laughs> Just, oh! It's not quite, it's not quite, oh, he's not quite Diamato, but he really, he put off, like, he didn't look like him, but he gave me, gave me a vibe that reminded me of Kevin Pollack. Do you know who that is? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The actor, comedian? Yep. Incidentally, Kevin Pollack does easily the best Shatner impression of any stand-up. He does. And... <laughs> I think his so, walking is pretty good, too. Yeah, no, he does a lot of the, like... Like the hack impressions that most people do badly, but yeah. he does them well. But uh, he just a real sort of like, like guy that maybe your dad knows, you know, just kind of schlubby, likable but kind of schlubby. You, you know, that is a perfect description. Yeah, that guy your dad knows. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, it's it, there's nothing wrong with him. He's no. just not. It's it's weird because most people are TV pretty, and he's so not. Yeah, that's all. But anyway, you were going to make a, a another point about him, I think. Oh, yeah, I don't remember. Just uh, him, him killing himself at the end? Oh, yeah, he does He does kill himself at the end because, like, I guess that's how faith works? That's what he says, because faith. Even <laughs> though our savior has proven that he's a liar and he yells at us and says it's all our fault and then beamed away. And then escaped. After trying to kill us all. Uh-huh. But, you know, faith, so I guess I'll just kill myself. That uh, look, I I am all for this show trying to like, like I I'm not really neither of us are religious. We've said this many times, many many and times. One of the things I like about this show is that it often, not always, but often presents a plausible, believable like, uh, uh like motive and mm. and like viewpoint for the religious characters who I usually can't relate to. Like Kira, I totally understand her what she does. Yeah even though I can't relate to being super religious because I never have been, mm -hmm. I get where she's coming from. Here, I feel like th that doesn't make any sense. Well, it's really getting back to the core problem with the episode. I could buy him, uh, like, still believing in Ducat and the Paw Race and everything if the episode... If Ducat had been written better in this episode, you yeah. know? If yeah, that, like... Right. Like, if that uh, complete belief in everything Ducat was saying actually felt real i would i could buy that but you know the episode just doesn't make it work no it absolutely doesn't and my note is uh, but obviously somebody had to die it's ds9 mm -hmm. and that's true you're not wrong i really thought that that like we'd watch all 50 of those guys poison themselves yep and probably because of the limitations of tv in the 90s you couldn't watch the baby die well but maybe no. the the baby would have to be whisked back to to Bejor or something well kira would give it to the o'briens Right. <laughs> Here's a half Cardassian baby for you. Enjoy. Oh, oh this cool. is where half Cardassian babies go, right? Uh huh. <sighs> all right. Uh, that's all I have. What about you? I think that's everything. I didn't have a whole lot of notes for this one. I did, but you know, yeah. they were mostly like, ah, I, I, this should be better. And really, that's all. I expect more of you, DS9. I expect mm -hmm. more of you, Gul Dukat. Yeah. Or I don't know. Kai Ducat? Get your head in the game, Elmo.
He's <laughs> he is the head of a religion now. So does that make him a Kai? Uh, maybe Kai Dukat. You know, still I better mean, than the other one. Yeah, that's true. Well, we're gonna see her again too. Yeah. Um, Although they both have that condescending attitude down. That's true. Uh, you got a quote for us? I do have a quote for us. What is it? Uh, I forget. Uh, oh, here it is. Ah. How? By recreating some kind of idealized version of the occupation, because that's what you've done here. You have your station back, Bajorns to serve your every whim, and the best part is this time, they really do love you. As misguided as that is, they love you. Yes, good quote. Mm-hmm. Everybody laugh. <laughs> Roll on snare drum. All right. But doctor, I am Golducott. <laughs> Moving forward now to It's Only a Paper Moon, which is a line they say in the episode and a song that is also sung in the episode. Because, mm-hmm. I don't know, because. Oh, yeah. One one last quick thing about the previous episode. Yes. Uh, at the very beginning, there is a, an unrelated conversation about uh, forgiving people who have wronged you. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the episode so is about, about forgiving people. Yeah. Uh, At this point, I see that coming. Like, if I the, hate it. If Kira comes out comes out of uh, service talking about what the service was about, that's what the episode's going to be about. Yeah. You could not get more, uh, like, more ham-fisted. But, but see, uh, that's, that's like, cookie-cutter standard Star Trek to me that, like, this show usually does better than. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, there's a certain sameness to, like, late next-gen into some DS9, and as I recall some Voyager as well, it just... Like, yep, this is the formula. Just plop in the elements. Yep. That's unfortunate. But anyway, moving on now to It's Only a Paper Moon. Mm-hmm. Nog, last seen in that episode where everyone was growling about how they've been stuck on this rock and how we'd better not remove that bandage, yeah. is back. Well, most of him is back. All except for his leg, which we saw in that episode get blown off. And for some reason, he's kind of upset about it. Jeez, what a big baby. Esri tries to help by asking him to talk about his feelings, but all she does is reinforce my belief that while she's a decent enough character, she's really not a very good counselor. Which then leads me to wonder, have we ever seen a good counselor? I can't tell if they're all terrible or if we've only been following the terrible ones. Anyway, turns out that one person on DS9 who's a good counselor isn't a counselor at all. He's a holosuite program. Yes, Vic Fontaine. Friend to all children and grown-ups and, well, basically friend to everyone always, is exactly the tuxedoed shoulder that Nog needs to cry on, apparently. Exploiting a loophole in his psychiatric diagnosis that says he can go any damn where he wants for rehabilitation, he decides to live on the holosuite, sleeping in a simulated room in the simulated hotel in which Vic's simulated casino is simulated, or situated. So he literally just spends his recovery time living inside a video game, which actually doesn't seem so bad. And like a great Starfleet officer before him, Nog begins to reprogram this simulation, turning it from a fancy MP3 player into something more like Matt's favorite NES game, Wall Street Kid. Yeah. No, really. He starts doing Vic's pretend accounting and causes the pretend casino to start turning a pretend profit, which gives him something to be excited about, so naturally Esri comes in and asks him to pull the plug. Seriously. Terrible! Nog stays, though, and 1962 continues to happen. Nog and Vic read newspapers each morning, which means there's an outside world in this simulation, which just made me wonder if the Cuban Missile Crisis will inevitably happen if he stays in there long enough. And if he stays in there for five years, would he eventually see the premiere of Star Trek? Sadly, these are answers we never get because Nog has his all-important moment of catharsis and cries to Vic, and Vic somehow doesn't smack him in the face and tell him to man up like a true mobbed-up singer dude would. 
Nog exits the Hollow Suite a changed man. Still broken, but also healed. Healed by a pretend man. Jesus, Ezria, hologram is better at your job than you are. I've been trying really hard not to compare you to Jadzia, but now you're forcing me to compare you to Deanna Troy. And you're coming up short. That is not great. Yeah, um... <laughs> little revelation for this episode. It turns out the guy who runs the bar is always better than the psychiatrist on the show. <laughs> yeah, I I noticed the, the first part, that she's just as bad as Troy. I didn't make the... the, the, the Rest of that connection, which is, you know, what you just said. Yeah. Very true. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. Uh, the thing is, I really like this. Uh, we, like, this is the one we both remembered. Like, oh, this is going to be tedious. Well, I mean, in theory, the idea Nog goes to Vic Fontaine to get his le to feel better about his leg. That sounds like it should be terrible. Okay. F f first of all, I should clarify. It's more about his PTSD than I think about his specific injury. Yes. Like, his leg... Yeah, his leg is a constant reminder of that, mm. but I think it's more the trauma of losing the leg yeah. than actually, like, he's not physical therapying him is what I'm saying. No, he's, it's he's a, trying to help him a, get over his horrible, like, stress. It's a combination of post-traumatic uh, post stress and uh, uh, depression. Right. And that's, uh, to take me to my good thing, mm -hmm. is, like, what I love about this is... This is easily the best depiction of depression that Trek has ever done. And I know it's PTSD and they're not exactly the same, but there's pretty complex, subtle, emotional things going on here that are the same. And it's in the script and it's in Aaron Eisenberg totally selling it. Mm -hmm. It's it's just so, like, uh, typically when TV, and especially TV from back then, tries to deal with this sort of thing, they get it all wrong. But it just works. Like, I, I have said this on the show before and many other places, I'm prone to depression. And... One of my primary coping mechanisms is to immerse myself in escapist, familiar entertainment. So I totally buy that Nog, like, you know, loses mm -hmm. himself in a hollow suite. Like, that, that, that is kind of what I do. Mm -hmm. I listen to the same music over again. I watch the same crappy old cartoons over again. Just it's familiar. It's, you know. Yeah. It's comfortable. It's, it's escapism. Yeah. And the, one of the things I really like about this episode is that it, it works... Like, I, I love, when I remember this episode, I had assumed that it was going to be entirely about how getting therapy in an imaginary world is a bad thing. Oh, right. You know, like, that's a very Star Trek concept. Yeah, so, like, you, you the, have to you face, have to your face reality the real and, world. Yeah. There, you're, we have you to can't. struggle and suffer. Yeah. But the idea that, like, this whole episode is about Vic getting Nog's confidence back, like, getting him interested in other things. Like, I, I love that this is a, like, this is a positive episode about him getting better. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it is very Star Trek in the sense that it acknowledges diversity a bit and mm -hmm. says, everybody deals with their stuff a little differently. And this guy is like, this is how he deals with his stuff. It's yeah. not, it's not any better or worse than anybody else's way. It's just, this is what's right for him. Mm -hmm. And, that's, you know, infinite diversity. Like, that's that's good. Yeah. Like, don't just say your way is the right way. Like, acknowledge that other people have different ways of dealing with stuff. Yeah. And I like that. Oh. And, and I remembered it as being Nog whining a lot. Yeah. And I also remembered hating Vic Fontaine. And it turns out, like, and uh, this kind of ties into your bad, well... I, I still say this isn't a valid bad thing for this episode. That's fine. I can. Uh, that's fine. I got another one. Okay, good. But but your initial bad thing. Uh yeah, this should kind of be it for Vic. Like yeah, and we know he comes back a bunch. He, yeah, I could not tell you how often, but this should 
like I like the character. Yes. I'm a fan of lounge singing, and I like the '60s. But like, we should kind of be done with the character. Like, we I don't want to spoil too much, but he does have a nice uh, scene in the last episode. Yeah, and I think that should sort of be it. Like, that's the this should sort of be the last time we see him until the last episode. But it won't be. No, and, and like I was saying to you, like that is a valid criticism of the show, but I don't think it's 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 fair to hold that against this episode because. Mm. The thing is, I don't dislike him yet, and you feel the same way. It's, yeah. He's a likable character in this in particular. Like, they give him the spotlight. He is the, you know, one of the only two co-stars in this episode, and he totally carries it. No, him and, well, I thought it was really interesting. They note this on uh, on uh, Memory Alpha. Apparently, this is the first episode that is entirely about supporting characters. Yeah, and they tried initially to make, like, an A, B, and I think even a C story. Mm-hmm. And there were going to be some lighter things to balance out this this heavy, you know, PTSD stuff. Yeah. And then gradually, like, I, Ron Moore wrote the episode, and he's like, it just didn't work together. It doesn't no. fit. Like, this dark stuff is working, but the other stuff doesn't fit. So he paired it away. Like, really? So I have a Nog and Vic episode. Is that is that okay with everybody? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And it works. Like. <laughs> it absolutely does. And I would not have seen this coming, but Nog and Vic have good chemistry together. They do. Like, I like watching those two hang out and schmooze. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And again, I think he totally stepped up. But I also think we've spent six years getting to know all these the rest of the cast. And mm. as we've pointed out many times, there's 20 main characters on this show. Yep. Like, the, yeah, there's the six or seven people in the main credits. But, you know, we got Garrick. We got Gul Dukat. We got Kai Wynn. We got, mm. like, all these other people that we want to see what's going on with them. Yeah, we haven't even and, seen Kai Wynn this season, I don't think. No, and I pointed out to you... I'm pretty sure so far this is the 10th episode of season seven. I'm pretty sure we've gotten more total screen time for Vic Fontaine than we have for Odo. Yeah, I'd buy that. Or Chief O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Like that. Wow. Really? Yeah. Like, I like this character just fine. And I don't like I remembered hating him and I'm I, I was wrong yeah. again. But, you know, the holographic lounge singer should not be the focus of this show. It's still a science fiction show. Yeah, well, that, but also it's a show about this extended, like, ensemble. Mm-hmm. ensemble. And an ensemble can't be an ensemble if it's if it's just a couple of guys, yeah. you know? Like, they all have to have a chance. So, yeah. Now, I, I just feel like the, the writers really fell in love with the character. Which is fine. And it's understandable, too. He's a good character. Yeah, but we're getting near the end, and we really want to see where everybody's going that we've, mm-hmm. we're invested in. Not just the new hotness. We yeah. want to see everybody. But th- you know, in a, in a season that also introduced Ezri, I wouldn't have thought that Vic would be the new hotness, but here we are. And yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sorry, Ezri. Oh. He also he tries to hit on her because everyone tries to hit on her. Yep. I'm just I'm amused by that. So have you decided which of our uh, which of our characters you're going to hook up with yet? No. Nobody. No. So you're still if, thinking about it. No, I don't want to hook up with anyone. In fact, I have a husband back on Trill that I just haven't talked about. Yeah. Wait, what? I can't be right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm in the military. I move around a lot, and he's got to stay there, but we're totally married. Yeah, he's a baker. Yeah. You know, the two professions you can have on Star on Star Trek. A Starfleet officer or a chef. Right. No, you could be a writer. Yes, but he still works part-time in a, in a restaurant, oh, so... That's true, he did. Yep. <laughs> Starfleet officer or chef. Well, several officer or yeah, food prep of some kind, like because I mean, like you gotta you gotta include bartenders in that. That is true. Yes, 
but and, and you can also be some kind of artist or writer, but you all you have to do one of those things also. Well, yeah, it's like uh, it's like now. If you're going to be a writer, you have to work part time at a restaurant you hate. Yeah, <laughs> like we all do. Uh, more or less. Yeah. yeah. My my restaurant is is more of a software monopoly, but yeah, basically the same thing. My restaurant is unemployment right now, but. Uh... We're working on it. You, you've already got some irons in the fire. Well, I might. You know, I might have some irons in the fire. Or where I used to come from, they would say irons in the far. Serious? Oh, accent. Yes, it's terrible. Oh. Anyway. Um, but yeah, like, we both remembered kind of getting sick of Vic, and it hasn't happened yet. No. He's he's great in this. And with not a couple, not a whole lot of episodes left, like... Yeah. Well, like I said, we have three more yeah. pairs of episodes, and then we're going into the big finale. Yeah. So maybe by the end of the maybe 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 by the end of the season I won't hate him. That would be nice. Well, he was fantastic in this. Yeah, he was. God, what a great episode. But really, the the real you know the real shining star obviously was was Nog, and that's your good thing. Oh right? God, he is. You know, for a character who was brought in to be the kid's friend. Yeah. Like, and we've talked about his sort of ongoing evolution on the show, like. Well, like many been, times it hasn't been out of nowhere like it's been nice it's been a nice evolution so that it's not like wait a minute why is he suddenly respectable like we've seen it happen in in steps yeah absolutely but, but now every now and then i see what he's going through like in this episode and i think wow jesus this is the kid who like didn't want to go to school yeah and he he's just great in this episode like yeah. there's a scene at the end at the end where he is just well, he's got to have his big catharsis so he can then leave. Yeah, and it's just all about, I, like, I came into Starfleet wanting to prove myself, you know. And when the war happened, you know, I wasn't happy about it, but, like, this was going to be the thing. I was going to show everyone that I, uh, that yeah. I, I You know, this goes here. with putting on the uniform, so very well, I'll do yeah. my duty. And then, like, I got my leg blown off. Like, yeah. me. Nog. Yeah. No, and, and if you told me in season one... This character is going to play a an incredibly serious like like I said the 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 most like realistic depiction of of depression and trauma mm. and he's going to go through some super serious like dark stuff like no no way not a chance no not that guy come on but but the character and and the actor not one of the founders of No J Industries come on <laughs> no. <laughs> But I like that. Not just it's not just in the writing. It's totally like uh, Aaron Eisenberg really steps up. Like yeah. he's got a lot of stuff to do here, mm -hmm. and he he really sells a lot of it. Yeah, like he does a, he does a great job. No, and I was reading. Uh, apparently, he got letters from a lot of uh, PTSD sufferers and like people. Yeah, I guess like from... combat veterans and yeah. stuff. Yeah, which is like fantastic. no, you you nailed it. Which <laughs> no, that's... like I said, just just from the depression end of it. He yeah. he did some things that I like. Typically, TV says depression means you're sad. Yeah. Mm, Doesn't mean, really. Kind of, but no. <sighs> no, the, the the way there's a scene where Jake brings his girlfriend to, to the hollow suite to hang out, mm -hmm. to, to hang out at Vic's, and they get a drink, and they, they talk, and, like, there's this thing that Nog does where he's pushing her away and just being a dick. Yeah. And I can, I've been there. I've been there so many times when I'm just in a horrible depression where yeah. it's like, I can see in my head that I'm being a dick and I need to stop, but I can't. Mm -hmm. And I'm pushing, I just don't want them to bother me. And yeah. it, it, there was just so much there that was like, yes, 
Yes, I've been like, wow, yes. Yeah, no, I know exactly what this is. Yep. Also, Jake's girlfriend's name is Keisha, which is like, fine, okay. That's a nice Earth American type mm-hmm. name. She's Bajoran. Yeah. Like, it doesn't sound like a very Bajoran name to me. I was very pleased to see a non-white Bajoran. That's always No, nice. no, that was that was great. But like I said, it just she had a very like obviously contemporary American name. Yes. And she's Bajoran. It just didn't really work. You like, know, you could have just made her human. Like, here's my Vulcan friend, Stan. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just it didn't fit. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> I'm a Vulcan. And here's Elmo Ducat. <laughs> I'd watch the Stan and Elmo show. <laughs> Mostly now, I just want to tickle me Ducat. <laughs> so, what was your actual bad thing? Um, I there's just it's a small scene, but you know, I'm willing to get petty. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a small scene where they they're having they're apparently having an intervention for Nog without inviting him. Oh yeah, where everyone is gathered in the uh, oh in the conference room in the yeah. conference room to talk about what's to be done about Nog, the one legged crazy man. <laughs> Which is actually my quote. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So seriously? Yes. Oh, that's great. My son is insane. Ron. He's a one legged crazy man. But um. But, one, uh, the, maybe the only time that I picked a rom quote because oh it was God. funny. <laughs> oh, I lost it for a while during that episode. No, it was that was good. But um, so basically they're like, okay, so we'll just keep him in the his therapy will be you know he'll live with Vic on the uh, in the hollow suite. Well, yeah, like I like I said in my summer, you get to basically pick. Yeah. The, the means of your of your rehabilitation, and he picked that. And Quark pipes up with, well, who's gonna pay for this? Yeah. And Cisco gives him a look and Quark goes, well, I guess I am. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I get that it's your nephew. You should show some compassion. But on mm-hmm. the other hand, that is a like, th- those things are not designed to run all the time. They're not designed all. to run all the time. They're high maintenance. Yeah. And like, if you run them all the time, they're going to be even more high maintenance. Yeah. And it's like if you leave your, you know, your game console on all the time, it's going to get really hot and it yeah. might start messing up but also that's a whole hollow suite that can never be used by a customer so he's losing money yeah exactly like i think starfleet in its infinite uh you know whatever can afford to kick quark a couple of bucks a week yeah they have latinum we've we've shown that before yeah. where, where cisco says i'll take care of it yeah so like i get i like, get his motive there like come on help us out as your nephew but on the other hand come on cisco no i like look when uh when nog first starts staying in there i could per i could Easily see Quark just like yeah 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 you're the big war hero you can uh, you can have a couple hours yeah because he's actually pretty sympathetic to yeah him. he is he's been uh, he's at, Quark's actually been really good to for uh, for Nock no he's been because you wouldn't expect that at first because no. when he joined Starfleet like constantly he's like trying to trick him out of not going yeah. and trying to just like disparaging but he was there when he got hurt and he's been very sympathetic well and like we talked about this like Quark was one of the good the only good things about the siege of AR right whatever five, was five, like. He was very support, like he's super supportive of Nog and like angry yep. about him like getting hurt like this. Yep. So yeah, I can see him as being supportive, but that only lasts for so long when you're trying to run a bar. No, and I totally get yeah where he's coming from, and it's not even Ferengi greed; it's just basic yeah. you know like so, pragmatism. So yeah, Ben, I think we can probably kick him a couple of bucks. Yeah, I'm That's sure true. if he had gone to Riza that you would have made sure they got paid or whatever. Right. Exactly. 
Uh, my bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm not actually sick of it yet, and I, I thought I would, but that just reiterates that my instincts are garbage and I should shut up. <laughs> but that said, the logistics of Vic, like, okay, and this isn't usual, like, we did this once. We said we're going to do this once when we when we got to next gen with the holodeck, mm-hmm. and we're not going to harp on it every week because there's only so much there. Mm-hmm. We talked about how the holodeck works, how someone can get on a train and also be in a town off the train. And like, we don't, we don't get it, but we've already talked about all that. This is all new stuff. This is okay. So uh, Vic has a personal life. Mm -hmm. He has friends. We see them playing uh, cards with them. Well, okay. But those are just casino customers that are easily just like the program can just repurpose them. That makes sense. But he can throw people out of his bar, mm-hmm. which he does to Nog, because Nog picks a fight with Jake. Yeah. And and Vic just throws him out. So let's be clear. Somebody, Quark, is paying for Vic to be there. Vic's a program that's supposed to help the customer, mm-hmm. like supposed to, to entertain the customer. He can just throw him out? Well, I guess there's something to be said for, like, that being how, you know, an actual guy who owned a club would act if someone started a fight. That's true, and he's still in the simulation. He just had to go to the hotel, which is in a different part of the simulation. Uh-huh. But stacked he, or something—I don't know. Yeah, I don't. He can—he can sleep. He can get sick of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Nog is really stuck on this one song, which well, my personal thing, and I'm sure other people who suffer from depression get this. Sometimes you find something familiar, and you just kind of cling to it. And sometimes that means putting yeah. one song or an album on repeat forever. Yeah, and that's what he does. And Vic says, I'm sick of playing that song. Really? You can get sick of things? I get that he has a distinct personality. I can even accept the self-awareness with some hand-waving because it makes for a good episode. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't give the writers a free pass to do whatever dumb thing they want to do with Vic. It still has to make internal sense. And it, it doesn't. Yeah. Like, uh, does he... I guess he has to shave? Like, Apparently. you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know. There's so much of it that I'm fascinated. But like I said in my summary... Is 1962 happening outside their hotel? Yeah, like, what's the what's the deal is, are they sort of, like, replaying the same day over and over again? Or if you stay in there long enough, like, is, like are you going get, to get to see Kennedy get shot? Like, right. If we, if Nog stays then, in there as, long enough, is it going to become the 70s? Like. Yeah, exactly. Is he just, like, living through Mad Men right now? Yeah, like, how much, like, how much of the real world does, does the simulation know to create? Well, it's when they were reading newspapers that really tipped me to like okay so newspapers imply that an outside world exists outside of where they are and that they get to read about it now that being said you could have the computer have records of those newspapers yeah just print a newspaper from october 1962 whatever but uh, like they talk at one point about going to i think it's tahoe or reno like one of the lesser not vegas places to visit sammy presumably sammy davis jr Mm. So Owner of one eye and Satanism. <laughs> hey, you got one leg, I got one eye. That's cuckoo. <laughs> Hail Satan. Um, that's real, by the way. Look it up. Mm-hmm. He was a Satanist. Yep. Very strange. No, I actually wondered, like, I knew I knew it wasn't in there because I've seen this before. But I wondered if they were going to try to get a Sammy Davis Jr. cameo because he was around at this point. Well, it depends on how good he was looking at the time. I, I don't know. Hey there, I, hey there, buddy. I'm Sammy Davis Jr. Ignore the fact that I'm very old. Uh, you would be, you know, probably 30 years too old, but I, I don't know. <laughs> What's 30 years, really? I mean, yeah, come on. I, it's only my notice. entire life. Yeah. 
but uh, like so they can fly to another place is what I'm saying, mm-hmm. which means the simulation keeps records of what happens around them. So like how expansive is this thing? Yeah. How like can you just go to any city or maybe only Reno or whatever it was? And that's it. Like, I, yeah, I just I don't know. I mean, like, you know, we're at a I point like it. where like you could easily scan the entire planet and I'm sure the yeah, holiday. about. Think about how much data that would be. I know, but, like, you know, we, they talked about how much data the holodeck has. Well, I guess that's true. But that's holodecks on a starship. Mm-hmm. Holo Suites, I think, are the the pay version, I think, probably has less, you know. I would have thought it would have more because it's the pay version. Like No, because Quark cuts corners, and I'm sure he doesn't buy the best, nicest one yeah, like they would have true, on, yeah. on a fancy starship. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, I'm just assuming. I don't know. But, I mean, I don't know. If you think about it in terms of video games, which is always my go-to comparison because that's the closest thing we have right now Mm -hmm. this is just a video game you can step inside Mm -hmm. we have video games now that have entire towns where each building is a place you can go well i mean at this point like it's really not that like that's what i'm saying yeah like you have you can have an entire city and you can have places to go in that city but you can't go into every building well okay but I mean, we have sandbox games that are pretty goddamn elaborate. Yeah. Is what I so mean. I guess I could see the evolution from that to you know two hundred years later or whatever. Right. So you know, but I guess I always assumed Vic Fontaine was a like he existed in a nightclub. As I said, I th- he's an MP3 player. Yeah. Like he's a f- really super fancy you can interact with, but it's still basically you're going to listen to music and that's it. Mm-hmm. But apparently, it's got a whole sandbox element. To I it. yeah. I kind of like that, the idea that you can go in to, you know, to basically watch a concert. Yeah. And if you want, you can stay and turn it into Sim Nightclub. Well, that's, and that's what I did like. Mm-hmm. I liked that he, like, he didn't like the, just this, the passive version of it. No. He so wants... he turned it into something active. Yeah. And, and the thing is, in those sandbox games, you can do that. Mm-hmm. You could, you can turn it into like, I'm going to turn this into being about collecting these things. Yeah. Or, you know, something like Minecraft, where yeah. you, like the game becomes whatever you want it to be. Yeah, that's that's kind of cool. All that being said, I would very much like to play Sim Nightclub. Yeah, that sounds fun to me. It, they probably exist. Mm-hmm. Well, like, look, if I can play, uh, uh, what God, what was it? Game designer tycoon. I can certainly play Sim Nightclub. <laughs> but I'm saying, I think there's probably a game out there that you know, yeah, that exists already. Um, but anyway, like. On the one hand, a lot of the logic, really, if you think it out, uh, I have no idea. But on the other hand, it is kind of cool. Yeah. So. Don't don't pull that thread. <laughs> no, but I had to come up with a bad thing, and I really like the episode. Mm-hmm. It's a really good episode. It's a shockingly good episode. <laughs> and like I say, your original bad thing was really a bad thing about every episode that wasn't this yep. one. Yep. It's the exact opposite of a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I don't know if we pointed this out. I don't know if he showed up before, but uh, this episode was directed by Anson Williams, uh, TV's Potsy. Ah, the TV's Potsy. <laughs> no, one of the many imitators. <laughs> one of the many Potsy impersonators. Well, I mean, go to Vegas. You can't walk five feet without tripping over a Potsy. Uh, a, yeah. a Potsy. Uh, he sit on it. They'll say and. Um, <laughs> something else so on you know the potsy's many great lines yeah potsy and ralph mouth were really just there to stand and make richie look cool because uh well anyone looks cool standing next to a guy named ralph mouth yes <laughs> i like that you put the emphasis in a different ralph mouth <laughs> why do you say it <laughs> ralph mouth 
It's his last name. It's like it's like calling you Matt Robotham. Oh. You're emphasizing the first name instead of the last name. Oh, see, I didn't know it was his last name. I yes. thought it was a nickname. No, no, no. He's Ralph. first name Ralph, last name Mouth. <laughs> Middle name Tough. <laughs> Ralph Tough Mouth? That's probably, it's probably not true. No. You know, Ralph Mouth. <laughs> uh, what else? I don't know. I want to talk about Ralph Mouth. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> you mean Donnie Most? I know you, way too you talk about, about Donnie Most? <laughs> yes. I knew way too much about Happy Days, which incidentally, one of the worst shows ever made, and it was on for years. Mm-hmm. Don't get it. Um, I, I like during the intervention without Nog seeing they all gang up on Julian. <laughs> oh, God, that was hilarious. It's, uh, I, it's like, uh, what, he's hiding out in some stupid uh, 1960s No, in Julian's night- stupid adolescent uh, nightclub thing. Well, it's better than hanging out in his stupid Alamo uh, game. Hey. Or his stupid secret agent thing. Hey! Or his and they all Viking. just pile on. And yep. then I just love Cisco's like, look, we all know Julian's stupid. Look, we we could all sit here all day and talk about how stupid Julian is, but we got work to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's also a bit in there where Jake is sitting at that table. Yeah. It's like, what? First of all, I mean, okay, he's his best friend. I, I, I think in this case, like, because Quark's there too. Like, this isn't... This isn't yeah, guess... about this isn't a staff meeting. This is a friends of Nog meeting. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But but my my specific objection there is uh that doesn't sound like therapy to me. That's what Jake's line is. Uh-huh. Okay, well, as as a as a medical professional, Jake, we'll take your c- opinion into advisement. Yeah. Like, no, shut up. It's like, "Oh, does the writer have something to say?" But Maybe. not even that. Like he's like the only people qualified to talk about Nog's actual treatment are his counselor who is there mm-hmm. uh-huh. his doctor who is there and arguably his uh commanding officer who has combat experience yeah that's it everybody else should shut up about that part of it mm. that that's all i'm saying jake just he came off as like i have my opinion is just as valid as say esri's no it's not honey <laughs> oh it's just jake. not it's really not as his friend as someone who loves him you absolutely get a say here but stay out of like the grown-ups are talking yeah. right now Maybe you could write a story about this. <laughs> no. He'll just talk about writing a story, but never finish it. That's oh, what writers do. Oh, Jake. I found real love in mocking your chosen profession. As but someone, yeah, I still who, like as someone who does your chosen profession. Yeah, me too. Yep. But, you know. Are you going to write about it some more, writer? <laughs> hey, it's 1130. Shouldn't you be in bed? <laughs> um... That is pretty much all I have. I think that's everything I wanted to touch on, yeah. It was really good. Um I'm I'm starting to think that I should find out who Vic Fontaine actually is and see if he has released a CD. Oh yeah, you like it that much. I huh? do. I think like, he's I a, like this I kind of music. He's a good uh, big band singer. Oh, fair enough. Uh I I the name was in my head and it completely popped yeah. up. But... I honestly at this point like the way uh, the popularity of Trek back in like the mid '90s, I'm more than willing to believe that that guy cut a uh, CD. I mean, Brent Spiner well, did. So no, no, I'm, I'm. The thing is, this guy obviously was a musician before. Yeah. You know, it's Darren somebody. Damn, I mean, it's easily, it's easy enough to look up. I just yeah. like I had it in my head, and oh well. Anyway, uh, so that's it for this week. Uh, next week is two more episodes. <laughs> 
Do we have Mirror Universe next week? Yes, we do. We uh, do. Okay, and so we the, got a Mirror Universe episode. Well titled The Emperor's New Cloak. Uh, you you get it? Do you get it? It's also got the Nagus in it, if you didn't get it. Oh, god damn it. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> Wait, the mirror Nagus? Maybe. Okay. Mark, I'm evil. <laughs> or possibly good. I, who knows? Wouldn't Mirror Nagus just be the Nagus who got his, like, who went into the wormhole that time? Oh, yeah, he, he hit his head and decided he he hated money? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't I don't know. Quality writing. Yeah. Um. So, as, as we have been saying, and we will say again, our first uh, Voyager episode, uh, episode 236, mm-hmm. sorry, I had to look over at my thing, uh, is recording live at the Pocket Theater in Seattle, on August 22nd. We would love to see you there. Yes. Uh, this is also uh, close enough, like it's within a couple of weeks, of the fifth anniversary of this fine podcast. Yep. So we're just going to call it that as well. This mm-hmm. will also be our, our celebration, like our fifth year anniversary celebration. Yeah. So if you live in the, you know, driving to Seattle area, why not come? Yeah. I mean, Matt lives in Oregon now and he'll be here. Yeah. So, you know. If I can you know. make the effort to move to another country just so I can do this show. Oh, is that why you did that? Yeah, that's exactly why I did that. Oh, well, tell Mal I appreciate her taking that bullet. Though. Right? I thought you guys were in love. No, no. She's been a real good sport about it. <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> uh, so that's it. If you want to write to us, posttomichorror at Gmail, uh, the website, posttomichorror.com, and that's all. All right. See you, folks. <laughs> The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.